Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. My name is Leah, and I am a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) Some days I'm recovering better than others. In the last 10 years, I've been trying to embrace the fact that while there are many things I'm very good at, there are some things that I am absolutely dreadful at. For instance, anything to do with maps. I simply cannot give you directions, remember directions, or follow directions. I am convinced that GPS is the sign that God loves me. (laughs) Another thing I'm not great at, letting people know that I'm not just hosting a podcast about women's sex lives. I'm also coaching women to more fully embrace their sex lives. I mention it each week at the top of each show, but we're now in our third year of this podcast, and I still have people say, I don't mean to bother you with this, but do you ever do any coaching? Why, yes, I do. In fact, that's a major part of the work I do. And there are lots of questions people have about what coaching might be like. For instance, am I going to have to take my clothes off and try things while we're talking? No, definitely no. We both remain fully clothed. Or if I'm not enjoying sex with my partner, are you going to tell me I have to leave them? No, definitely no. First of all, I'm never going to tell you that you have to do anything. And second, my goal is to help you more fully embrace your sexuality, no matter who your partner is. And there are a ton more questions. So rather than trying to answer them all, I decided to do something new. I'm giving you a sneak peek into some actual coaching sessions. I reached out to a handful of previous clients and invited them to return for a one-off coaching session to dive into what's going on with them now. They agreed to let the sessions be recorded so you can hear what a coaching session with me sounds like. Today, I'm talking with Caitlin, a white woman in her early 30s who lives in Florida. She's divorced with two young children and has a friends with benefits relationship with a man we'll loosely refer to as her partner. You'll hear more about that as the conversation goes on, and you'll also hear directly from him in a few weeks when I share a couple session that I did with the two of them. I'll tell you more about coaching options at the end of the episode, but for now, I'm so pleased to introduce this coaching session with Caitlin. 
Caitlin. I'm so excited to talk with you. It's been a while, so um, so that people know sort of the history here. We've worked together a couple of times, um, and sort of I think the most recent one. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think most recently was in the group coaching program. Yes. Um, about I think a year I've done ago. two. I did the group coaching and then a pajama party. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, so I know you and you sort of are familiar with this coaching style, um, but I want to catch up with you and see where you're at and what's going on with you that we can work on now. So <laughs> how are things and what would you like to talk about today? Things are excellent. Um, we did the group coaching class. I had just left, um, my marriage. And so I was figuring out like sex as a whole new world because I got very married, very young, um, and hadn't had a lot of partners or experience. And so the growth then that was nice because that sort of set the stage for like a healthy way of viewing sex and moving forward and exploring it over the past year and a half, I guess it's been, um, But what has happened in that is that as I have explored more comfortably of what I'm interested in and what does turn me on and what I like or don't like, it's sort of like, so I have a friend who has left the Mormon religion. This is the best analogy I have. So bear with me. Okay. (laughs) And so his description of leaving that he shares with everyone who he knows who has left the faith is there's a glass shelf breaking. Like that's the descriptor they use. And it's this moment where all the little things that don't add up, there's one moment that breaks your glass shelf. And so everything you think is capital T truth, you realize isn't and shatters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's like, I've, as I've been discovering things about myself, I've also been unlearning everything that we're programmed to think about sex or know about sex. And so yeah. what I have realized in this process is that I am perhaps also attracted to women and not just men, but I don't know oh. what to do about that information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this like, is exciting. So here's a fun realization, but now <laughs> what? And I don't know yeah. in the pandemic, I'm not seeing people. So I can't do anything with this realization. So this is an unfortunate time to have a realization, but preparing for after the pandemic. Yeah. What do I do with that information? <laughs> yeah. As a, as a straight woman. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, welcome to the club. <laughs> And I would say that of the women I've worked with who started calling themselves straight, (laughs) a huge proportion of them at some point have been like, I've actually been thinking about women for a while. Right. (laughs) And it's one of those that when I, it was this like dawning realization where I was literally lying in bed one night and I was trying to masturbate and then like a woman popped in my head and I'm like, well, that's fascinating. (laughs) Like maybe I'll go with that. And then after I said out loud to myself, like, oh, fuck, because it's like, because now what? What the hell am I supposed to do with that? Um, But then as I remembered back, I was like, maybe that time I was 17 and I really liked that girl. I didn't just really want to be her friend a lot. (laughs) Like maybe, (laughs) but I had no box for it. Like I didn't have a framework for that being something. Like I could tell you if I had a crush on a boy, like that was very clear. So that actually would be my first question. If this moment lying in your bed, masturbating, and the woman shows up, was that the first time you had ever had a thought like that? Or is it just the first time you put that name on it? I don't know. That's an excellent question. I think I had, so I definitely had a phase in high school of making out with girls, Mm -hmm. but it was always under sort of the guise of, 
like that appeals to boys. <laughs> yeah. And so it was easy to sort of ignore the part that also enjoyed it independently of it appealing to boys. Sure. <laughs> so it's not a totally new idea. Um, I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it intentionally. So there would be times that I would think about like if I'm masturbating and then it's like some, there's a third person who's a woman, but there's always a man involved. So I think that was the first time that it was like just a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very safe entry point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I want to explore a woman, but only in the context of there also being a man there, because then I'm not going too far outside the prescribed lines of the box. And for some people, that really is all it is. It's just sort of a thing that they want to explore with their male partner. And for other people, it is an entryway because it feels a little safer. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you think about it now, how long ago was this masturbation experience? Maybe two months, not very long. This is a rel okay. relatively recent. Okay. Since that event... <laughs> <laughs> have you, have women shown up in your fantasies more often? I don't know. I don't actually also masturbate as much in general <laughs> because I have a robust sex life with a man. Um, I don't think more. Now the difference that has shifted is I notice women in the same way that I've always let myself notice men and the way that like, if you're shopping for a minivan, you start noticing minivans everywhere. I assume like it's whatever <laughs> phenomena causes that. Now I'm like, yes. Oh, that woman is attractive in a way that before I just would have, I think noted that not in the same way as noting a man. Um, yeah. And so I think it's just that permission. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And so think something that I think is important because a lot of people will get to this moment and freak out and be like, oh my God, I have to turn my life upside down. I have to make completely different decisions. I have to blow up my relationship. And none of that is the case. No. <laughs> that no. seems like the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing that I think is important to recognize is that we are all socialized and sexualized to images of women mm -hmm. because the female form is used to sell us everything from cheeseburgers to cars. Mm -hmm. Sometimes cheeseburgers on, on cars. cars. And from such a <laughs> you young know? age. Like it's so, as, exactly. as someone with a young daughter, I'm so aware of that now and it's constant. Yeah. So sometimes when that impulse arises to be like, oh, that woman is really beautiful, it can feel like maybe this is a romantic attraction, sexual attraction, when really what you're doing is responding to all of that sexualization mm -hmm. to find the female form more beautiful, mm -hmm. to find it more visually pleasing. So if that's what you're experiencing, then cool, great, another thing to look at and enjoy. <laughs> but if you are feeling like there might be some actual attraction there mm -hmm. that is sexual as opposed to visual, mm -hmm. then, then there's more conversation to have. So where do you feel like you're falling on that? Do you feel like it's a more sexual energy that comes up for you? Or do you feel like it's visual appreciation? I think it is more of the sexual energy. Like I would like to date a woman. 
Okay. Not that I have any idea how to go about that. I realize that's okay. And I can't. And again, <laughs> we're in a pandemic, so all of this is very hypothetical until like I could date anyone. Yeah, and actually, that is kind of the beautiful thing because um, many of us, and I count myself among these people, have the tendency when something new pops up to go you know, just all in and be like, I want to date all of the people and do all of the things. Like that's part of my sexual awakening story. <laughs> I did all of the things. <laughs> and when there's a little bit of a damper put onto it, then you have some time to settle into it and mm-hmm. maybe not make those really rash decisions that end up blowing up your life. <laughs> It's like forced self-reflection. It's like in the zoo with the birdcage and you have to go through the lawn door and then pause and it has to close before you go through the next door. The pandemic is just this like zone where it's like, stop and think about what you're doing. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have a male partner Mm -hmm. and we're actually going to do a three-way threesome (laughs) session with the two of you. Um, But so where is he in terms of knowing about this and supporting it? And is he aware? Yes. So we have abandoned labels in true millennial enlightened fashion. (laughs) Um, So I don't even know how to define non-monogamous, but it's a pandemic. So we are monogamous because we're each other's bubble. And so that's, we only see each other. And so we have no other options. Um, And so we're friends outside of that. And so we have, it's sort of a friends first sex second relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we have great sex and we end up communicating a lot about sex. And so he was the first person that I told this realization to. I was like, hey, guess what I realized? And I was like, I think that girl when I was 17, I actually had a crush on her. And he was like, well, what's she doing? Look her up on Facebook. (laughs) It turns out she is in fact a lesbian and a professor at another university. Across the country, inconveniently. I was like, well, that's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) But again, then, I don't know what to do with that information. Yeah, yeah. I love that he's supportive, though. That gives you a really open play space to to look at this without the pressure of, like, I have to keep this from my partner and I have to, like... Oh, absolutely. ...all on the the down low. Um, So... Let's talk about how you can engage with this during a time when you cannot actually, I cannot en- actually engage in anything. <laughs> right? What's your fantasy life like in general? Like how much do you engage with your fantasies? Just any of them? I would say a lot. I think that's part of what brought this on as I wasn't really. And then with my current partner, we did start talking more about it and we did both think it both honest what we wanted. And so we ended up sort of falling into BDSM stuff. And then we both went down rabbit holes of research and then this is just our personality types. And so it's a lot of conversations and sort of exploring things and researching things. Um, so there isn't much that I've thought about trying that we haven't tried potentially okay. adding a third person, but again, a pandemic. So that's as complicated yep. as anything. Um, yep. And then, you know, women, since that's a relatively recent revelation in my world. Yeah. So um, how do you feel about reading erotica to uh, indulge your fantasies through somebody else's story? So it's not your own brain Mm -hmm. making it up. So that I have. So I 
I don't know how many years ago I like stumbled upon erotica online. I'm like, this is so much better than porn. Like this yes. is just, <laughs> word porn is so much better. And so actually I have not thought about it until this moment, but I have read like gay erotica this entire time. I've been reading both. Um, and I was just like, sex is sex. Everything <laughs> turns everybody on. And, you know, right. potentially there's signs that I just, <laughs> I told my, my partner too, I was like, I had this revelation. And he's like, yes, I probably could have told you that. This is not a revelation <laughs> for anyone who knows you. And it's so far the response from my few best friends who I've had this conversation with too. They were like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's not shocking. Okay. So yeah. I'm the only one surprised by this, this information. I remember having that exact same conversation with one of my friends from college when, when I came out to her, I, I think at the time I actually had thought I was a lesbian because I didn't know you were allowed to be interested in multiple genders at the same time. Right. Um, but I came out to her and she was like, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> she's like, I kind of knew. And I was like, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> so sort of my mom was like, okay, but, and then I have such a hard time too with that. Again, maybe I've just abandoned labels all the way around, or maybe because we don't have labels in our current relationship. Now I just push back against all of them because it, I, it really does feel the more that I sort of let myself be into what I'm into. Like I could be into anyone. I could be into a transgender man or a transgender woman or a woman or a man, like equal opportunity. And so I don't, I don't know what label that would be. And then any label feels wrong. Like the, so the, the technical term so that you know what it is, is pansexual. That means that you are attracted to people regardless of their gender. All the people. This feels fitting. All the people. All the people. Yes. Uh, And you can choose to embrace or reject that label just as you have (laughs) any other. But so, yeah, that's something I wanted to say to you that just because you're examining this now, you're looking into it and feeling it out, doesn't have doesn't need to mean any particular label. It doesn't have any great meaning to the rest of like, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to look into this and then I have to commit to it. And that's who I am. No, you can <laughs> no contract. To- There's not like a handbook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is no gay agenda. Um- <laughs> I thought there'd be a membership card or like a t-shirt. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not. It would be easier if there were, because then card, we could just, right? show our could cards. just distribute it. Because <laughs> yeah. that was the other, so I went on this hike the other day with a friend who is bi and openly bi. And so ironically on this hike, he was like, he's been in relationships with men most recently. And he's like, I think I might go back to dating women for a while. And I'm like, really? Me too. And he's like, okay, <laughs> this is a new conversation. I didn't think we we're going to have on this hike. No, that was unimportant. So we saw this woman who was very attractive, who like stopped and said hi, sort of as we were walking out. And then we got back to the car and I was like, I should have said something to her. Like she was really cute. And he's like, she was really cute. You should have said something to her. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't, know how to flirt with women like this seems like such a silly thing to say but I'm I've had no issues in confidence I'm very fortunate throughout my life that if I wanted to hit on a man I knew how to do it mm-hmm. and it wasn't like I've had no issues hitting on men or going out with men or like I don't worry about going on dates and I worry about getting dates and yeah. and now suddenly I'm like I feel like a 12 year old boy I'm like this is why all 12 year old boys are assholes yes. like this is anxiety inducing uh-huh. like I don't know yes. what to say to you <laughs> yes it is it, it feels completely different ultimately it's not that different because basically the rule is don't be an asshole <laughs> but, that's fair that's a good rule <laughs> 
But it does feel different because we are taught that men and women have totally different needs and have totally different desires, which is actually not true. Um, But if you had seen an attractive man on your hike, what would you have said to him? I don't know. That's a good question. I think I probably just would have commented on something in general, though that then makes sense because the friend I was with is like, you were both wearing boots. You should have told her she had cute boots. And I was like, oh, that would have been so easy. I should have said she had cute boots. Well, but what happened is you saw a cute person and your brain went, (gasps) right. And that's so natural. That's exactly what is supposed to happen. I I was a teenager again. Like I'm a grown ass adult. (laughs) (laughs) But you're, but in this particular case, you're not, your hormones are like (gasps) new thing, new thing. I don't know how to do this. I want all the things, but I don't know how to get any of the things. And it just goes into overwhelm. Mm -hmm. So if you can have the grace for yourself that you would have for a teenage boy, <laughs> you you will be doing yourself a great favor. Okay. That was, that'll be the goal for 2021. All yes. the patience as a prepubescent boy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I have a bunch of friends who are transgender who are at various stages of their transitions or, you know, have been living their lives for extended periods of time in their um correct gender. And every one of them talks about going through a second puberty. Mm, Now, this is largely because of the hormones that they're getting. Um, But that is, I think it's a really useful idea for us to carry, which is when something new starts to percolate in us, all of the hormones are like, well, there's something new. (laughs) Let's play. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Okay, so how can you put yourself in a space now, understanding that right now we're in a pandemic, so it's not going to be a physical space, Mm -hmm. but how can you put yourself in a space to allow you to explore this, um, to interact with women in a way that feels flirtatious Mm -hmm. and feels fun? I don't know, because I don't see people. And it seems silly to get on like an online dating thing. Like, what am I going to do on Tinder when I can't see people? And so I just, that's part of it. I feel like I'm just waiting. Like now there's just this realization and now I just sit with it until I see people again. Then even when I can see people again, I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit like the dog that caught the car. Like, what if I get it? And then then I am with a woman and I'm like, well, now I don't know what to do. So this has been fun. (laughs) And that will happen. (laughs) Oh, fabulous. (laughs) And it's okay. I do a lot of walking myself through. Like, that's my instinct. It's like, oh shit, like we'll get into bed. And I'll be like, I don't know what to do. This is not what I'm used to working with. And then the other part of me is like, but you're both consensual adults and sex should be communicated anyway. And you shouldn't assume you know what anyone likes. So I can do both sides. I go back and forth. (laughs) So yes, all of those things. And right now you're at step like A and actually being in bed with a woman is step I'm worried about halfway up the alphabet. (laughs) Exactly. So you're going to have lots of time to figure out what you might want to do when you get to step M. And you're still not going to know. And it's still going to be a, what the fuck am I doing when it actually happens? (laughs) But but right now, let's just focus on, you know, Mm. A through D. (laughs) Um, I actually think that getting on the apps is a great idea. Really? Even though I can't see people? 
even though you can't see people, because um, it'll give you an opportunity to get the nerves out, mm, to just fair. have the conversations mm-hmm. and practice and see what works for you, see what doesn't without any pressure whatsoever mm-hmm. of actually having to meet these people. Do I tell them that, like that I'm not going to meet in person? I always feel, I mean, with women or men, I've had this debate because I was kind of on them before. Um, and then when the pandemic started, like I was kind of talking to a couple guys, but then it just felt like I was wasting people's time because a lot of people, I am in Florida where the pandemic does not exist. So our bars are packed and (laughs) like everyone is proceeding as life is normal, except that also like our ICUs are full and lots of people die every day. Um, so I'm definitely the outlier and they're like, we are being socially distant and cautious. I think you put that in your profile. You just say right up front, like I, I have these particular boundaries. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to meet you in person until whatever your boundaries are, whether your boundaries are, you know, until we've been talking for a certain amount of time and I'm really certain that I want to invite you into my bubble or um, until our numbers go down to X, whatever your boundaries are, just be upfront about mm-hmm. them. That's fair. Um, and then people can can opt in or opt out mm-hmm. because you may very well find that there are other people who are like, Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I am not interested in meeting up, but I've been talking to all these people who are like second, second date, let's do it. Right. <laughs> you <This> know, is, <laughs> this is the world it's a strange, strange world in Florida right strange now. World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that getting on the apps could be a great way for you to practice. Do I- say I've never dated women? Sure. Um, And remember, you can put up a profile today and change it next (laughs) week. (laughs) This is not a life commitment. (laughs) (laughs) So put, you know, put up what feels really true and authentic to you today. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not getting the responses and not having the conversations you want, you can reevaluate in three days or two weeks or whatever. Um, But yeah, for right now, say, you know, this is brand new to me. I remember when I was wanting to date women and was living in rural New Hampshire, had no fucking idea how to meet anybody. And I had this very strong belief that if I let anybody know that I didn't have experience, they were going to brush me off and be like, oh, he's just a baby. I'm not like a real, like... Like, you don't want to train someone, like, in the same way, I don't want to keep saving men, like, you don't have to train me. (laughs) In fact, there are a lot of people who would be very, very happy to train you. (laughs) Baby lesbians are a whole thing for a certain group of people. (laughs) Well, that's that's promising, because it definitely has, like, part of it is that, that insecurity of, like, maybe I'm not for real, or I am going to waste someone's time, or I don't know what I'm doing, or... Yeah. And one thing that you might want to be aware of um, is to really focus on other bisexual women Mm -hmm. as opposed to lesbians, not because lesbians are in any way less desirable for what you're where you are, but because there is a feeling in the lesbian community for some people Mm -hmm. that you know, I'm not going to fool around with anybody who's just exploring because they're just going to break your heart. They always go back to being straight. Mm, that's interesting. 
There are plenty of women who end up either becoming lesbians or bisexual after their sort of exploratory period. Mm -hmm. But so many lesbians have been so deeply hurt by women who have not been honest with them that I think it would be wise to sort of stay out of those waters so as to not make it any harder for yourself Mm -hmm. or for those women. So if you stick with bisexual women and say, I'm just sort of exploring and trying to figure out what this means. Other bisexual women are probably going to respond to that because they've been there too. That makes sense. That's a good point. And I think that is part of the fears. I don't want to like be this, but because I don't technically know, I mean, I'm pretty sure (laughs) as sure as I think I could be without being completely sure, but I don't like, for all I know, maybe I'll be like, Oh, this was my imagination being imaginative. Yeah. And it might be, uh, so I think you and I have had this conversation before, but there are, you don't have to be all into any given Mm -hmm. label. So I am bisexual. Um, It probably would be more appropriate for me to say that I'm pansexual, except that I grew up at a time, like the first word that I had access to was bisexual. And I, I very tightly <laughs> grabbed onto it. Um, but I am not equally interested in both men and women. I think there is an idea mm. that if you are bi, that means you are always wanting one of each. And there are a lot of mm. men specifically who will be very um, vocal about their fear. Well, if you're bisexual, you'll never be satisfied by just me. You're always going to want somebody on the side. Not actually true. Mm. For some people, it is true. For me, not true at all. Um, so so, so my attraction. I'm aware that I'm learning. Yes. <laughs> it's so good that we're having this conversation right at the beginning of your exploration. <laughs> so my bisexuality um, manifests as I am sexually attracted to the female form a little bit more than I'm attracted to the male mm-hmm. form. Just like passing a woman on the street, I am much more likely to be like, oh, she is hot than I am to see a man on the street and have that response. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very drawn to touching a woman's body. Less interested in having much of anything to do with the penis. <laughs> it's not a huge uh, desirability point for me. However, mm-hmm. I am more attracted to the masculine energy for forming a long-term relationship. So when I become involved with a man and I sort of see the fullness of who he is, I am much more likely to commit to that than I am in that same situation with a female. Um, And in that situation, I begin to develop a lot of attraction to the penis (laughs) that I didn't necessarily have right on the surface. So I call myself bisexual and heteroromantic, meaning that I I am very much attracted to both forms, but I have a particular attraction to a romantic attachment with 
one of the genders. That's an interesting distinction. That never would have occurred to me to make that distinction. Yeah. And different people have that breakdown in lots of different ways. So the, um, the romantic attraction and the sexual attraction do not always go hand in hand. For some people, they do. For some people, they are a complete 100% match. But for some people, they don't at all. Hmm. Um, so that's just something, you know, if you discover that this doesn't, this isn't working out the way that I thought it would, it's not because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Let's get to that. Yeah, it's just because, you know, bodies and brains are weird. (laughs) Right. This is the root of all of it is we're all weird. Yeah. I think if I had to guess, I would almost say I'm the opposite, which I think is interesting because I've never thought about it in that context. But if I'm thinking of sort of the energy that I am drawn to, it is more of that feminine energy for that, for an actual relationship versus Mm -hmm. like I'm very attracted to penises greatly (laughs) (laughs) and the male form and I've joked with friends and argued about you know the physical design of each like the penis is so straightforward and classic and (laughs) there's a lot of utility there um but that energy attraction I think is actually even more of what pulls me to women like if we're just going physicality I think I would care less what women look like than men. Like the attraction is more them and then that makes them attractive. Yeah. Fascinating. It's going to be really exciting to see how this plays out for you. Yes. That is a word for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that you're in a relationship with somebody who's going to support you in these explorations Mm -hmm. so that if you do decide that your entry point is to have a threesome with your partner and another woman, so you can sort of get the lay of the land (laughs) as it were, (laughs) that he'll probably jump on board that train with you. Mm That's another conversation we should have if you decide you want to do it. Because there's some other coaching session. As a whole other big (laughs) let's go threesomes. Yes. That's a whole other conversation. Because there's a lot of stuff you need to just be aware of. Um, not least of all so that you don't hurt the third person that you bring into the situation. Absolutely. I imagine. Um so yes, so we can have that conversation when you're ready. Table that discussion. (laughs) Yes. Um, so what else do you need, um, today? What else do you need clarity on questions, comments? No, that distinction, I'm going to be really chewing on that distinction. I think between the physical attractiveness and sort of the energetic attractiveness, um, for a while. That's fascinating. Is there, are there resources I should be reading or listening to or looking at, or I'm one of those people who definitely just gathers information to try and like the more information, the better. And then I can sort of sort through it and see what applies. But with some of the stuff, I don't even know where to start. I kind of don't want to refer you to a lot of other people telling you what your experience Mm. could or would be. That's fair. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Not to say that there aren't some great books, but instead, instead of going down the nonfiction, let's analyze this route, I would highly suggest that you go down the erotica route. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to buy books, buy all of the, um, all of the lesbian erotica, Mm -hmm. all of the bisexual erotica, which there is some, 
My favorite thing are collections of erotica. So you buy one book and you get like 15 Mm -hmm. stories by different authors, um, because then you can, even if you don't like 13 of them, (laughs) you maybe find your new favorite author Mm -hmm. in the other two. I highly recommend Rachel Kramer Bustle. I'll send you the information. I'll put it in the show notes um, so that uh, you can find those. But yeah, just really exploring your fantasies. literotica, which I think you're already Mm -hmm. familiar with. I am. Um, Yeah. Just going down that rabbit hole of reading the different lesbian and bisexual material to, to really soak yourself in it and figure and, and feel not figure anything out. You're not Mm going to figure anything out until you're in, (laughs) in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But uh, so that you can really sort of feel through what, what is maybe going to work for me? Mm -hmm. What am I interested in? What am I not interested in? And then you'll have a great base of knowledge when you do begin exploring. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through all of those things to be like, yeah, I'm not into that. Not into that. So then that actually does lead me to a question. So if I do get on a dating app, just for the sake of talking and exploring that side of it before meeting anyone, if I am focused then on bisexual women, as opposed to lesbians, is that like a setting? Like, how do I, do I just say like only interested in bisexual women? Like how do, how does that framing happen? It's probably going to depend on the app. And it's been a little while since I've been on the apps because I'm in a monogamous relationship. So I don't know the specific answer, but I do think that on most site, on most apps, you'll be able to do a search for bisexual women. Okay. I'm not saying you should avoid lesbian women altogether. I'm just saying be kind, Mm -hmm. be a little bit aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's a lesbian who's like, I love to train baby dykes, (laughs) great, (laughs) go for it. (laughs) All in. (laughs) But if there's, you know, show me your vaccine card. (laughs) 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 Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, there are going to be just as many women who will put on their profile, um, you know, not interested if you're exploring. Just avoid those people. Mm -hmm. Which is helpful for me. I mean, that is my hope that that would be, I didn't know if that was a norm within the community. So that actually makes me feel better that that is sort of an open conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you put on your profile that you're exploring, that will probably weed those people out anyway. Mm -hmm. Because they'll be sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just being cognizant of that is really my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As with anything, you be as open and upfront as you can Mm -hmm. today. And when you figure out the mistakes you're making, do something different tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That seems so simple when you say it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Sure thing. (laughs) But it is that simple. I do know it's that simple. It is in theory, it's that simple. In the doing of it, our feelings and our hormones get all mixed up mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And we practice. I get it. I assume everything is better with. Yes. I'll give myself the prep <laughs> talk. I would give the teenage boy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is there anything that you would like to hear me say to you before we finish up? I don't think so. This has been so helpful. Oh, good. So I appreciate it immensely. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to have this conversation right now at this moment in your life. This is, they've all lined up when you did the like group coaching, which was also fantastic. It was exactly what I needed in that moment. 
So it's, mm-hmm. it's worked out well. So Caitlin, thank you so much for doing this. And we are going to talk again soon because we're going to have a conversation with you and your partner mm-hmm. to talk about your BDSM experiences. Nice. So many and exciting conversations. A so year many. ago in the group, I was like, I don't know how to masturbate in front of someone. So we have come <laughs> so right. far in a year and a half, Leah. <laughs> so I love that you just said that because I think there are people who are like, I could never do no. the things that she's talking about. But you really, you did walk in and you're like, I can't. Yes, no. I forget why you even suggested that. Like what the hangout was where you're like, well, could you masturbate in front of him? And so I literally, I made him stand on the other side of the room. Like I made him stand yeah. on the other side of the room and keep his hands to himself and not say anything. And I closed my eyes and then I can manage it. And now I'm like, let's have a coaching call about our BDSM dynamic. <laughs> yes. And dating women. Awesome. And dating women. So Cause why just, not? Yeah. Have all the fun. <laughs> so this is my unsolicited plug. Everyone should sign up because they're amazing. I hope you enjoyed that deep dive into Caitlin's burgeoning desire to date women. As you can hear, my coaching is completely client-led. We only go as fast and as far as you are prepared for. I will never push you into space that you are uncomfortable with, unless it's the kind of good discomfort that gets you excited because you know you're growing. My favorite clients are people like Caitlin, who are motivated to explore new realms of your sexuality, like questioning if you might be not straight, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, exploring your sexuality at all for the first time, whether it be a repressed background or even later in life virgins, and so much more. If you're intrigued by this, click over to www.leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. There you'll find all of my coaching offerings, including individual, couples, and group coaching. And if you're someone who wants to dip your toe in the water before diving headfirst, the PJ parties are a great way to spend a couple hours getting a sense of whether you feel safe and comfortable with me before committing to a full coaching package. All of this information and more is at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. And that link is in the show notes. I look forward to sharing more coaching sessions with you in the coming weeks. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. 
Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>